The Utah Jazz have been in on Drew Holiday and on Chris Dapps Porzingis. What does that tell us about where they are in team building? We talk about it next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm David Locke, radio voice of Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Today on Locked On Jazz, we will look at news and notes from practice in Hawaii yesterday, what everyone's saying and what took place. The Jazz have been in on Drew Holiday and Chris Porzingis in the last few months. What does that tell us about roster building? What Will Hardy wants from his guards might tell you a little bit who's going to get to play and who are going to be those guys. Plus, the first of the previews, 240 minutes. Who has that? Plus, we'll review some of the other notes from camp, uh, from media day, and what everybody had to say. I am David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked on Jazz. It's a daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms, including YouTube. Please subscribe, follow, five-star reviews are much loved. And thank you very much to our loyal group of everydayers who are with us every single day as we bring this to you Monday through Friday. Thanks very much for tuning in today's show brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. All right, quick, uh, Liam, we'll kind of do this throughout. Um, you know, training camp underway. We're not going to get like breaking news out of training camp. If we do, it's bad, frankly. Um but we are going to get little tidbits of what's going on. And I thought yesterday there were a few. Um, so uh, the first one was Will Hardy super pleased about the competitiveness and the banter amongst the group. He called it a lively, energetic group. And, I, um, and, he, and he really liked that energy that he was getting um, from everyone in that. He said there's a lots of personality in this room, both the veterans and the young guys. And no tiptoeing around each other, which he really liked to see um, in that kind of, I think it creates an energy and a juice uh, to what's taking place uh, with everyone. Um, and, and it has everyone, and everyone's involved in this one. I mean, I thought that was, that's the one I think is going to be most interesting about training camp. There, there's no real rightful order of the basketball universe here other than Lowry Markkinen's on top. And then... Like, who's our second best player? It's probably Jordan Clarkson. Who's going to get our second most minutes? It might be Walker Kessler. But frankly, like, we're all very, very high on Walker, and I I, I have no doubt he's going to have a good camp, but he's got to still have a good camp, right? Like, there's a like if Walker comes out and puts out a dud at camp, he's not guaranteeing any time. Lowry puts out a dud at camp, you get concerned, but you're still rolling Lowry out there. Jordan puts out a dud at camp, he's probably still going to be out there for a great deal. He's just got a long enough track record. So it's an, it's interesting to see when Will Hardy says that everybody's involved, I, I really think like that's going to be the trick of this camp is how do you have enough practice, enough time, enough reps for everyone to truly be involved? I mean, we talked about it yesterday. Like Yerk saving could end up being the backup center to Walker and playing 15 minutes a night, maybe 20 minutes, you know, probably 15, eight, 18 minutes a night. And then you're sliding John Collins into a three, which changes like, which takes out the backup three position, either from Ochai or Lucas Ominich and makes the guard line even tougher. I mean, it, it's just, there's just so many different iterations of how this team could play. And then, you know, Will's talked about it all having to be inside the team constraint. Um, 
and so that it's all positive and the willingness to have flexibility amongst the group that on one night we're doing one thing and another night we're doing another. I mean, Portland, we don't you don't have to worry about them too much. They probably have the worst roster in the NBA, this side of the Spurs, depending with Victor. But like I looked at their roster last night, like they're gonna have to play DeAndre Ayton and Robert Williams at the time. There's gonna be more and more times where teams are playing really, really big, like we're talking about being. I think that's gonna be a trend this year. And so being really, really big, if you can be athletic as well. There's nothing about this league going small. This league's going athletic. It's going multiple position. And it's going big. Um, and I think that's a lot uh, kind of interesting note. So those are out of training camp. Lowry talked about uh, just great community, setting the tone, uh, and the impact of being in Hawaii, being off the court, having those moments together and building that chemistry. So he's um, trying to get together, you know, have a, have a nice time, a little work hard and relaxed environment, get to know each other um, a little bit. The big news of the day was the story that, from Zach Lowe's podcast that the jazz were in on drew holiday and that Boston basically outbid Utah for drew holiday. Boston's now outbid Utah for both Chris Stapps, Porzingis and drew holiday. Um, but I think this is really interesting about wondering like where the jazz are, how Danny views what they're doing, uh, how Justin views what they're doing that. And I think a lot of people, including myself involved included, and I still think there's a, you know, there's an element where if you don't get these deals done, then you know how the season plays out could be not as high in in wins and losses. But we're certainly not just sitting here keeping our powder dry, as they say. Um, what's telling here is that very clearly the Jazz are looking for those pieces to go try to find a way to improve this roster and win as much as possible uh, and, and win as quickly as possible with these pieces. It's not like, hey, let's sit on this for three or four years let our next generation of players develop and go. I mean, I thought I was telling in media day when Lowry said, like, I've never been to the playoffs. Like, that's like that's a good reminder that that's what's important to Lowry. And if Lowry suddenly thinks he's not on a roster that's trying to make the playoffs, well, then when it comes time to re-sign Lowry, that, that could get a little more difficult. Um, so it, it's just interesting to me. I mean, Drew Holiday is really interesting. He's 30-plus years old. Like, what were we trying to do there – to get it on Drew Holiday. Now we have a lot of guards in Colin Sex, you know, the six guards that we have. Um, and obviously Keontae is we see as a future. So maybe you really you start to narrow this thing down. And you're like, okay, we'll take Drew Holiday. Though he could opt out and be a free agent at the end of the year. So super risky. Um, and then we could, you know, and and we're gonna we're gonna rev up Keontae by letting him see Drew Holiday. I mean, it could have really just been that simple. Um, you know, if we have Drew Holiday. I don't know if we would have had to move Jordan. I don't know what the package would have been um, and how many of our picks, but like, where are, you know, how good are we? What is our team at that point? I think it's an interesting question of, of what we thought we were trying to achieve um, with those deals. There was a really interesting, eh, that's a side note. So anyway, and then also we were, you know, we were in on Chris Tapps. Like we really were, according to all reports, we're looking at the idea of playing Lowry Market and Chris Tapps Przingis together. That's really five out and big. Five out and skilled. And maybe we were really playing Walker, Kessler, Kristaps, Porzingis, and Lowry marketing together, which is just insane. Um, and I don't know that athletic enough to survive, but an interesting kind of mix. But it does, you know, I do, it, that does kind of match what I'd heard. So there is just a, a really big desire here from the Jazz to push forward and try to acquire talent whenever possible. Um, and talent's going to make them you know, see if they can make themselves better with that talent. This is not clearly a sit back and like let Keontae George play 32 this year 
We're not following like the Houston Rockets where we're just pulling it all back and letting Jalen Green and Jabari Smith and these guys just play. We're not um, we're really a little bit what San Antonio's done where Devin Vassell and, and um, Johnson and uh, Keon Johnson and those guys just played. Like, I, I don't know, with value. I mean, hopefully with pop, there's been some value. Um, but that certainly does not feel like where we are. These are these are telling notes that we're that involved um, and that engaged in all of these conversations. And that has been the slogan from the Jazz the whole time, that their, their comment has been that if there's going to be deals to be made, we're going to be involved in all the conversations. And that's exactly what they're doing. They, and there is a point here where you just have too many draft picks, right? Like, you know, we've acquired a great run of draft picks. We actually have none next year if we finish outside of the top 10 uh, of picks. Um but then you start, you know, 2025, we end up with three, right? In 2027, we end up with three. In 2029, we end up with three. And then we got pick swaps. Like, ugh. Like, there's just, you know, at some point you have too many picks, too many young players all at the same time. So you do have to start moving them. The tricky one that we've talked a lot about is you don't want to move one too many pieces, right? Like when Luca, which or whomever becomes the next player available, um, do you you don't want to be one pick short of getting that deal done or one pick short of outbidding the next person. And that's what gets super tricky uh, for Justin Zanuck, Danny Ainge, Ryan Smith, um, and the crew. So I think that's a really interesting um, kind of situation in time uh, for everybody here on that. All right, a few more. Um, a really interesting quote from Will Hardy about the guards. Uh, we'll have that for you coming up here. And then uh, some training camp notes. And then which teams in the NBA will start with the Western Conference? And I'm not sure how long this will take. So hopefully we'll do Western Conference today, Eastern tomorrow. Maybe we'll do both today, depending on time. Um, who has 240 minutes of roster time? And what I mean by that, and the way I look at that, is looking at the 10-man rotation that's projected, which of those are bona fide rotation players? 240 minutes is 48 times 5. Um, 48 minutes per player, five players. And it's it's an interesting way to look at it. And the, it's going to tell you a lot about how the league is different than it's ever been and what I think will be the number one story of this season. So that's coming up um, as well as an interesting quote from Will Hardy about what he has wanted from the guards. Today's show is brought to you by Intercap Lending. Steve Carter and the crew over at Intercap do a wonderful job for us. The, simply the best customer service we could ever imagine. I just love having Intercap as a, a part of the Locked On family. They've been with us for a long, long time. Um, and they're a great story because, you know, there is a point in business where if you do good work, you grow. Intercap came back to Utah. Um, and when they came back to Utah, Josh Romney brought them back and then, uh, They've just grown and grown. They had two offices, just the Cottonwood, and then they've just kind of, why? Because they get deals done. And that's what lenders want. That's what buyers, that's what everybody wants to be a part of is getting deals done. And that's exactly what Intercap Lending has done and what our guy Steve Carter is. The reviews that come in all the time for Steve Carter are just incredible. Um, and I just couldn't be more proud to have Steve involved. So here's the deal. If you're looking for a loan right now, it's tough, right? I got it. I super understand. This is not the easiest time in the world to be trying to, to break into the market or get a new home or things like that. Steve Carter is here to help you. He's our own personal loan officer. Intercap Lending does amazing jobs. They're hyper-responsive. They manage their own loans. They do things other people don't do. So it really does allow for a better uh, lender experience. And then Steve Carter is just amazing. He's gotten me through two loans. You got our COO through a loan. Um, and you can imagine when you look at how messy my office is and everything else, like what it is trying to get me to get the paperwork done is like seriously the most impossible thing on the planet. So 
Give me, send me an email at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com so that we can uh, get you set up with Steve Carter and I'll, I'll get you the own personal Locked on Jazz uh, uh, breakdown of everything that's going on and give you the, uh, and make sure you get the VIP treatment with Steve Carter over at Intercap Lending. Today's show is also brought to you by Ibotta. This is a great opportunity for you to get a little back on the things you're regularly doing, whether it's the pizza, whether it's the whatever it might be. I had all sorts of weird thoughts right there um, that you're using to go get to, for, to rev up for a weekend party, barbecue at the house, whether it's your winter clothes you're getting. Ibotta is here for you so you can get cash back on winter coats, hats, gloves, scarves, barbecue tier, whatever it might be. It's not really barbecue time right now. So I look outside and see the snow on the top of the mountains. So download the Ibotta app and use the code locked on to start earning real cash back. Other apps give you points. Don't amount to much. Ibotta gives you real cash back. They can cash out on your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn it at Lacey's, at Lowe's, Macy's. That was a combination of the two. Sephora, Best Buy, etc. Download the Ibotta app now. Use the code locked to start earning real cash back. Just go to the App Store or play Google Play, download the free iBot app, use the code LOCK. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. Thanks for, uh, for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Thank you to the Everydayers. To Cam D3, who on the five-star review on uh, iTunes. Thank you so much. Listening for several years now, I like I feel like I know David was just hearing all the inside jokes and numbers always come to me. The podcast gives me a way to make my mundane tasks fly by. Thanks for all you do. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you very much, Cam D3. And from E. Bardsley, I really enjoy listening to David's unique take and look at the Utah Jazz. The geeky numbers make it all the better, especially in a day with statistics and analytics, such a vital part of sports. Keep up the work. Thank you to both you guys. The five-star reviews, they're always appreciated. And there. All right, Will already made the comment the other day about guards. I thought it was kind of slid by, but I thought it was really important. We need to take our level up in terms of understanding the situations of the game, time score, who's got the hot hand, all those type of things. I'm not just putting it on one guy. This is where Mike Conley used to get this done. And then after Mike Conley left, like it's probably a decent reminder as is, is for all of us on what actually happened after Mike Conley and after the trades. And certainly we, hey, Jordan didn't play a lot and we pulled a bunch of guys, but let's, let's just make sure we all kind of recall some of the data points here. So our offense post-trade February 9th went from 4th to 24th. 4th to 24th. Okay, well, that's somewhat problematic. Our shooting went from 10th to 21st. Our turnovers went to 28th in the NBA. Our offensive rebounding stayed great and our free throw rate stayed the same. So when Will already says we need to take up our level in terms of understanding the situations of the game, time, score, and who's got the ball, that's... That's what he's looking for. When we're suddenly trying to figure out, okay, and he, he, this is also the quote. This is the quote that got the attention where he then says, I'm not putting this on one guy. And then he started talking about playing pairs and myself and everybody else jumped on the playing pairs because that was such an interesting concept of how to look at it. But what he's really saying is, okay, I need good decision makers. I need good decision makers. And I think that's really interesting. 
one of the things that was most interesting about training camp comments is Colin Sexton's desire and interest in doing the right thing and knowledge of what the right thing is somewhat in contrast to what his natural game is. And I think that's going to be interesting. Um, you know, by the way, we still late in games, we didn't win clutch games, but we were really good in them. Like our differential in clutch in the final 15 clutch games was still like sixth best in the NBA, which tribute to Will. And if our offense was fifth best. So it's interesting when he's talking about situations, a game time score, it wasn't, we fell apart in the clutch a little bit when Mike got hurt in the middle of the year, but actually to close the year when out without Mike, we were actually pretty good. But back to this, I you know I think that what's interesting is like okay, so what's he saying, and a little bit of what he's he's saying is you know I need good decisions. So who are those? Like if you just kind of run down the list of guys, like Jordan is probably a better decision maker than he gets credit for, but probably not in the way in which we think of decision making. Right? He's not he's getting into the paint trying to find his, and then when he doesn't get what he wants, he makes good decisions out of that. But here's his first instinct is is to put the ball in the hole himself. Colin is this is this burst energy, playing with a zest, incredible first step, super energy, endless abound of bounce, not cerebral. In fact, the times early in the year in which we asked Colin to, to be cerebral, I thought we froze him. Like, I thought it was a little bit in the Will Hardy aspect of, hey, let's not find something a player doesn't do well. Ask him to, you know, talk about something a player doesn't do well. Ask him to do it and then complain he didn't do it well. I thought we were a little bit there with Colin. When Colin's sitting at the top of the key, pounding the dribble, trying to make the right read the whole time, that that is not what Colin Sexton is great at. Now, he may need to get better at it and do those things and be a part of that. But like when I watch that, to me, it's like it's almost like you're like you're taking away his superpower. Like Colin is so awesome at just the burst. And when Will moved Colin off the ball last year um, and let him play just, you know, pure kind of two guard, getting the dish from someone, breaking the paint. I, I thought we were great. I mean, I thought that really was where we were great. Now, interestingly, when Colin played point guard, which was for, by at least according to um, the numbers of cleaning the glass, which I think we're right. Like I looked it over and like, there were some times where Colin and Taylor are on the court together and those could have been Taylor at point guard. It's hard to, hard to tell. Um, so I, I did run some numbers kind of where you were in tailing off the court with these. So then you really knew that Colin, he's playing with Clarkson, Beasley, guys like that. Like he's, there's no question he's the point guard at this point. What's interesting is, is we were fine. We, our offense was in the 82nd percentile. Our turnover numbers were down. We were fine. Our defense was bad. Um, our defense was in the 31st percentile. And even when Walker played, our defense was bad. Like the Colin Sexton, Jordan Clarkson, Lowry Markin, and Kelly Lynn at Walker Kessler team had awful defense, like 125 defensive rating, 13th percentile. So that one's a that one's a little interesting um, to keep it out. Taylin did a really remarkable job last year of having a high assist rate while playing. Now, is that making the right decision? Is that getting off the ball so other guys can do it? I, I don't really know. Taylin is interesting according to clean the glass they only have him playing point guard 172 minutes uh possessions last year that's there's something wrong with that number they're they're giving somebody else um some point guard minutes in there where Taylor was playing the two 
um, where Taylor probably was the point guard, just kind of looking at it. And we were really good in those minutes late in the year. Um, unless he really just didn't really like, unless those final minutes end of the year, are far less than I thought. Um, what's interesting about that is we were really good defensively kind of unnaturally good defensively. So probably not something, um, that I think you can look at. And some of the time is because they have Ochai Abaji classified as a point guard on these things. So if you kind of just, if you take Taylor and you, and you can play around a little bit on cleaning the glass, if you use that and you take like Mike Conley off the floor um, and anybody and Chris Dunn off the floor, then you kind of know Taylor's the point guard in most part, not perfect, but you know, what was our decision-making in those circumstances? Taylor's assist rate is super high, but it's not that's not necessarily a thing of same concept, by the way. Our offense is less good. It's in the 48th percentile. And our but we're overall 0.8 defense was kind of okay. Um, we've this was late in the season when we were forcing absolutely no turnovers at all. Like we were crazy low, just kind of playing that shell defense and being okay with it. So it's interesting. It doesn't, you know, it makes you wonder like if Keontae turns out to be a better decision maker, does that happen faster than we think? There are some trends right now that kind of feel like Keontae could be heading there more quickly than we thought. But I just think starting a 19-year-old point guards, unless he is just outlandishly better than anyone else, and then that leaves us with Chris Dunn, right? And Chris Dunn is probably the natural person there who is – but no, Chris Dunn was really, really good for 19 games for us last year. But I'll be honest, he in his career prior to that, he was not thought of as someone who was – you know had a great understanding of – um, situations of time score, like those were not strengths to Chris Dunn. Defense was strengths. Now, I don't know that they were weaknesses, but they weren't thought of as strengths. So it's an interesting thing that Will Hardy's kind of saying, hey, here's what we need. It's none of these guys' strengths. Keontae because of age, Colin because of game, Taylor because of experience, and Chris Dunn, we'll see. Maybe he's matured into it. It'll be interesting to see which of these guys suddenly gets roles and is the one who steps forward to understanding the situations of the game, time score, and the rest. That's that's kind of where I'm heading with that. All right, so media day notes and 240. Which players have 240? All coming up here on Locked On Jazz today, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Tomorrow, we'll have more training camp notes. We'll do a little bit more of a preview. We'll look at um, our part. We'll probably have some 240 left to do the other conference. But uh, Taylor Snar of Dunks and Threes has a really interesting statistical thing called positive uh, estimated plus minus. And it's an interesting way to see like how many players on your roster are positive plus minus players. And it gives you a little bit of idea of the depth of rosters. Have you gotten Jazz Plus yet, by the way? Just $125.50 a season. Get exclusive content. Pretty cool stuff. I think you'll love it. It's pretty cheap. Go get it. Sign up now for Jazz Plus. Also get two free tickets to an upcoming game. All right. A um, few training camp notes, and then I want to do 240. So Micah Potter talked really interesting note about how the G League is faster than the NBA that when you're playing in the G league, things are happening quicker and you actually have to um, play at a speed faster and make decisions. And so it's a great training ground for the NBA. That I think is an interesting note for Keontae Taylor Bryce. If any of our guys go uh, to summer leagues, why it's probably so effective for Ochai last year. Um, There was a lot of talk on training camp day about Scott Morrison, uh, the jazz new assistant coach, somebody that uh, Will Hardy called a brilliant tactician, the, uh, in his Friday press conference, Morrison was the head coach of the main Red Claws or the main Celtics, one of the two, whichever iteration it was, which is the Celtics G League team. He was the head coach. Um, he's been head coach uh, in, he's been on the Canadian staff. I think he's been a head coach in New Zealand or Australia as well. He was on Brad Stevens' staff. And so he has kind of moved up. He's actually taken 
Uh, I would probably say the best way to say this is he has taken the uh, role of Alex Jensen, who has moved on to be part of the Dallas Mavericks staff. Um, he was the head coach of the Perth Wildcats uh, in the Australian League. He's from Canada. Um, and so just a really interesting guy who has um, very, very um, kind of great accolades from the players, like incredible accolades, frankly, from all the players who played for him last year. Um, I mean, Micah Potter was literally saying it was the most favorite coach he's ever played for um, in his entire career. Uh, a few other quick notes. I thought it was interesting. Taylor uh, Hendricks, uh, his mom is still here. He's thankful for it. Loved it. Kind of get him settled um, and doing that. And then he's been working a lot on his handle. A lot of the guys talked about how Colin Sexton has been really challenging them, pushing them, and doing things of um, of that sort, kind of in a leadership role. Um, and then the last one I would just comment, we'll, and throughout the week we'll kind of drop in news and notes from that media. It was Keontae was just crazy confident. I thought it was really neat. Um, Keontae um, talked about all the right things about being more locked in, 1% better every day, but he did say he wanted to be Rookie of the Year. And I love the goal setting. Um, he got a lot of accolades from people throughout the day about how well he's been playing. Talked about going up against Chris Dunn and Dunn pushing him off his line and how it's bothering him and how he's got, you know, he wants to learn from Chris on how to do this to other people. Um, and then I thought he just had a really good mindset about it's understanding it's a learning process, a long journey. Um, and, you know, then when he was asked, interestingly, when he was asked about uh, trying one person he was excited to see, it's Russell Westbrook. I'll tell you what, you can think whatever you want about Russell Westbrook. I would like every single one of our young players to watch Russell Westbrook play. He plays harder than anyone else in the league. Like you play as hard as Russell Westbrook does, you'll have a great career. Like that is a great, great model uh, for you to watch. All right, we'll have more notes for you tomorrow. Uh, look at some of the things Sensabaugh, Ochai, Colin had to say as we kind of run through it during the week. All right, 240 minutes. In the Western Conference, I judge there were four teams that had a legitimate 240 minutes of established time on their roster. Okay. So let me pull up the depth charts because I think if there, in case there's any questions. So the first one um, is Golden State. Golden State has, looks to me as though they have 240 bona fide minutes. Now, what's interesting there is probably Chris Paul. Uh, but I think Chris Paul, depending on his minutes, is still a bona fide 240 minutes of players. The Warriors right now, rotation, Steph, depending on Steph, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, Kayvon Looney, Chris Paul, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, Rudy, uh, Dario Sarge. Corey Joseph is the th another guard. Gary Payton is another guard. I'm going to go that I'm going to give Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga in their third years bona fide rotation players. You know, everybody in Golden State wants to do more, but I think that's a pretty bona fide 240. The other one that's interesting, and they don't come out well on just about any other end of my things, is the Clippers. Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris, Zubak, Plumlee, your backup center, Batum, your backup power forward, KJ Martin from Houston, your backup small forward. Norman Powell and Terrence Mann, with Robert Covington still available, that is 240. For all the Clippers' problems, and there are they, they do not come out in a bunch of my other numbers very well at all. And we'll get to those throughout the week. But that they've got 240. So Warriors-Clippers 
And then two surprise teams that have 240. I think Dallas has 240 now. Starting Luka, Kyrie, Tim Hardaway, Grant Williams, and Dwight Powell. Maxi Kleba as a backup. Seth Curry, Josh Green. The question is Jaden Hardy. Jaden Hardy's going to have to play some minutes for them. And they might be, and then they have Rashawn Holmes. If Holmes is, and then that doesn't count Derek Lively. I'd never count a rookie as bona fide rotation minutes, unless it's Victor or maybe Scoot this year. But really never as a rookie, someone who's thought of as having NBA qualified rotation, solid, solid. Dallas is super close here to 240 minutes. The addition of Grant Williams was really nice. Maxi Kleba coming off the bench. Rashawn Holmes addition from Sacramento. If they if Derek Lively ends up playing, Seth Curry on that roster. Jaden Harvey, who averaged nine points, two rebounds, and assists last year. Second round pick, super talented, skilled. Maybe that would get them under two forty. That's that's the kind of it's a it might be a two thirty. Like might want to go to two thirty with Dallas because I'm not sure that Hardy's totally proven that. Minnesota. Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, with Naz Reed and Kyle Anderson, Troy Brown Jr. had a nice year last year for the Lakers, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Shake Milton, that's 240 to me. I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker's established himself as a 15-minute-a-night rotation player in the NBA. I think Shake Milton has, I think Tony Brown has. Or Troy Brown, excuse me. So... That one's pretty interesting. Troy Brown last year for the Lakers played 76 games, started 45, and averaged 25 minutes a night. Shake Milton in Philly, 8.3 rebounds, 3 assists last year, played 76 games, averaged 21 minutes a night, and shot, I think, 38% from three. Minnesota, this is why I keep saying I think Minnesota plays a first-round playoff game at home. Okay, the Nets grouping, is in. it gets super interesting, and this is where the NBA is wildly different. We'll do Eastern Conference tomorrow, just the way time is is the next group I would say is Sacramento is at 230. Now, they've got this kid coming from Europe who everyone's super excited about, and they're talking about a training camp. I always shot the lights out, and he's changed. He's won all the shooting drills, and he's not really a rookie in the sense that he's a veteran. But let's see. But they also, right now, I would say, don't have a backup center in because I'm not going with JaVel McGee. Um, Keegan Edwards, I don't think, is totally established yet. And so they're De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, Davion Mitchell's right on the edge right there. Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, Trey Lyles, I think, has established himself as a rotation player in the NBA, and Demata Sabonis. I actually think my 230 is a little generous on them. I think they're short about 15 minutes of the small forward position, and I think there's 15. I, I think I might be a little generous at 230. In fact, I'm changing the number right now to about a two, 220 on them which gets them still in the second spot. The next one's Memphis. Memphis is at 220 with John Morant. Now, without John Morant, we'll see. Luke Kennard, but they just don't have a small forward on their roster yet that's proved himself. And Brandon Clark's out. So they fall, without John Morant, they're off. And so they have 25 games without the 220. But this is what gets interesting is there just are not that many teams with 240 viable minutes of the NBA. You go to the Lakers, okay, D'Angelo Russell and Gabe Vincent, their guards. Austin Reeves, no backup shooting guard. LeBron James, Torian Prince, fine. Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hashimura, Anthony Davis, Christian Wood. 
I mean, I know he averaged 17 and 7, but nobody likes playing with him. So even, okay, let's go. Let's give the Lakers the benefit of the doubt. They're still 15 minutes short at short at shooting guard. So the Lakers are 225. What? Who's next? Maybe the Pelicans at 210? Yeah, I haven't mentioned Denver yet. What are you giving Denver on the 240 scale? Okay, Jamal Murray, Caldwell Pope, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. Unbelievable. Let's give them all 34 minutes a night. So we got 14 minutes to fill at every position. Your backup point guard, Reggie Jackson. Good. Checked off. Your backup shooting guard? Justin Holiday, Peyton Watson? I, I'm not giving you fit 14 there. Christian Braun, backup small forward, second year. Okay, I'll be generous. I'll give it to you. Backup power forward? Kankar's out for the year with an ACL, I believe. They, they, they literally just don't have one. Backup center is Zeke Enjai, or Zeke Najee? He hasn't proven anything. So they're 14, 14, and 14 short. 28, 42 minutes short. Like Denver, I gave him a 216 just being generous. But they're about a 205. How about Phoenix? This is what makes this year so interesting. These teams are great on top, but boy, do they get thin fast. Phoenix. Okay, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Yusuf Nurkic. Okay? Yusuf Nurkic is not good, but he's a rotation player. Now, luckily they made some trades, but their backup point guard? Eric Gordon? Maybe. Okay, Grayson Allen. I'm going to give him. They get... Do the same thing with them. They get they get 34 minutes at every position except for they don't have a three. They don't have a three on the roster. Josh Okogi, okay, we'll give him 20 minutes a night of viable NBA rotation minutes. So they're short 28 minutes. Kata Bates' job? Like, it's cute that he averaged 10 points, four rebounds, and two assists for San Antonio. But, like, prior to that, when he was on a team that was any good, he played seven games in Denver. He played 30 in Minnesota. He played 37 in Minnesota. And he, like, didn't really play. Like, I'm, I don't think he's proven that he's a bona fide rotation player in the NBA. Yudawat Nabe? Maybe. But before 58 games in Boston, Toronto last year, he played 38 in Toronto coming off the bench. Like, in non-rotation. Bol Bol's not a rotation player. Drew Eubanks, I like. We'll give him the center minutes. We'll decide that Yusuf Nurkic and Drew Eubanks is 48 minutes of center. Not great, but it's 48 minutes of center. So Phoenix does not have a, in my opinion, is short the 14 minutes behind Durant. They're short about 25 minutes at small forward. And I'll give them the front court just to be generous between Grayson Allen, Eric Gordon, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal. So they're short 40 minutes. Phoenix comes in at 200. Gets really interesting. Like, so Denver's in at 200. Phoenix is in at 200. The Warriors are 240. Clippers are 240. Dallas is at a stretch 240. Minnesota's at 240. Lakers, Memphis, and Grizzlies are at like 220. And then the Pelicans, because of their recent injuries, are hurt a little bit. But they, they're starting five. Valanciunas, Williamson, Zion, if he plays. Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, CJ McCollum. Alvarado is a backup point guard. They don't have a backup shooting guard. Najee Marshall's good. Maybe you can give it to him as a small forward. Troy Murphy's out, so they don't have a backup power forward. Larry Nance is fine as a backup center. They're a little thin there. Get them at 210. And then you get to the Jazz. And you have to decide who you think of our players or bona fide rotation players. But depending what you go with our starting lineup, you got Walker, Kelly, John, Lowry, 
Clarkson. I don't know that Ochai's totally proven it yet. Colin, Talon, Chris Dunn, they've all got to prove it. Right? We're the only ones who would say Chris Dunn's bona fide. Colin, I think, is bona fide. Talon's got to prove it a little bit still. And then we got, we'll see whether Keontae can do something. See whether Taylor Hendricks can do something. But those are rookies I wouldn't expect. Houston, I have it like 168. San Antonio, I have it like under 200. Portland, I have it like 160. Here's the last one I'll share with you. I don't have the Thunder very high on this. For all, I think everyone's early on a year on the Thunder. So the Thunder, Josh Gideon, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Lou Dort, Jalen Williams, the rookie, and and then is Chet Holmgren your center? Like, that's a rookie to me. That's hard for me to give you those minutes. Your backup one is Casey Wallace or Isaiah Joe. I, Victor Oladipo, Trey Mann. Kendrick Williams is backup shooting guard's probably good. Jalen Williams is a backup center in his second year, probably good. Like, it's a stretch here. Jang the, in his second year, like, I, I don't have Oklahoma City at two. I have Oklahoma City right at 200. I think they're short too. So I thought that was really interesting, and that's where the NBA is right now. All right, we'll do Eastern Conference tomorrow. I only have one Eastern Conference team at 240 minutes. Very different than years past. Teams used to peak out of that. Well, that got long. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you. Have a great day. This has been Locked on Jazz, part of Locked on Podcast Network.